My name is Stuart Mazell, pastor here. It's great to see all of you here. Thank you for being here. And for all of you who are joining on us online, thanks for doing that as well. Um, we are continuing our series on Connect, where we're learning from the scriptures how we are to connect with other people. And uh, we started with saying we need to first connect with Jesus because he is the vine, we are the branches. Without him, we can do nothing. But we've also talked about how we need to connect with the church because we need each other as a body. We need to, each other to grow in the ways of Jesus. And we've also talked about how we need to grow in connecting to our friends. God made us for relationship. And so we need to connect with our friends, both Christian and non-Christian in order to be able to grow in uh, loving people well. And today we're gonna continue that theme of connection as we look at several passages. We'll be starting, if you like to turn in your Bible and look for, um, we're gonna look at several passages, but one passage in particular is Mark 12. Mark 12 verses 28 through 31. If you would prefer to read it on the screen, feel free. Before we read uh, Mark 12, I'll give you a little context. So Jesus is speaking with some religious leaders who are questioning him, and they're having a dispute, and that's where this picks up. Verse 28 from God's Word in Mark 12. And one of the scribes came up and heard them disputing with one another, that's Jesus and the religious leaders, and seeing what he that he answered them well, asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? Jesus answered, The most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment greater than these. We're also going to be looking at Romans chapter 13, verses 9 through 10. Here's that passage. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. And then two brief verses from the book of Galatians, Galatians 5.14 and Galatians 6.10, which say, For the whole law is fulfilled in one word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we need you. As, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you have said that you're the vine, we're the branches. 
if we abide in you and you in us, we will bear much fruit. But apart from you, we can do nothing. And Lord, you made it so that we need each other in the church. You've made it so we need friendships and relationships of all sorts. Help us today to see that we are blessed by you to be a blessing to others. That you have filled us, empowered us by your spirit, that you have given us so much that we are to share that with others. Um, empower us to do that, to hear and to respond with real faith, with real repentance, and with real obedience. For your glory, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. So, uh, anybody recognize this guy on the screen? That, if you don't know, is Mr. Rogers, Mr. Fred Rogers, known for the program Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, which, wait for it, aired from 1968 to 2001. If I did my math right, I think that's 33 years that that show was on the air. Now, all of you may have at least heard, if you didn't watch Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, you probably heard of Mr. Rogers. Did you know that he was an ordained Presbyterian minister? Yep. Apparently, he attended the same seminary around the same time as R.C. Sproul. A little bit of trivia. Did you also know that he was a vegetarian? He was once quoted as saying, I don't want to eat anything that has a mother. Did you know that he had a fascination with the number 143? 143, do you know what that represented to him? He said it on one of his shows one time. It takes one letter to say I, four letters to say love, and three letters to say you. That's 143. And you can find that 143 in all kinds of ways. But one that I found really fascinating was apparently he loved that number so much that for the last 30 years of his life, he tried to keep at that weight, 143. But the most interesting thing to me about Mr. Rogers is not all that trivia, but the fact that he was the same off camera as he was on camera. He preached a message of neighborliness and he lived it out. Two quick examples. When reporters would interview him, now you're thinking they're trying to catch him. You know, they're trying to get some dirt on squeaky clean Mr. Rogers. They're trying to show that he's a little more cynical than he comes across. When they would come and interview him, he would intentionally try to befriend them. He would ask them questions about their lives. And then he would call them afterwards and ask them how they're doing. Another story of his neighborliness was when he was on a trip to a PBS executive's house. They arrived in a limo, and when they arrived, 
he heard that the limo driver was told to wait outside for two hours while they meet. Mr. Rogers said, that's not acceptable. He needs to come in with us. And so he invited him in to the chagrin of the host. And the limo driver actually spent time with them. And then on the way back, Rogers decided to sit in the front seat with the limo driver and talk to him as he drove. And the, the, the limo driver happened to mention, hey, you know, we're going to be passing by my house. And so Mr. Rogers said, I would love to meet your family. Would that be possible? And so they stopped by his house and they spent a couple of hours just getting to know one another. And for the rest of his life, Fred Rogers kept in contact with that limo driver and his family. That is remarkable in this day and age. That kind of neighborliness, that kind of care for people, regardless of who they are, regardless of their status, regardless of whether they can give you anything or not, just giving to others. That was Mr. Rogers. And in a many ways, that's what we are called to be as followers of Christ. So that's what we're going to talk about today, neighborliness. And because we're using the word connect, here is an outline. If you don't like outlines, you don't have to do it. But if you like outlines, here it is, the first one. Connect with neighbors. Connect with neighbors. Now we see in Mark 12, verses 28 through 31, again, Jesus is having one of his famous disputes with some religious leaders, and another religious leader comes up and says, hey, which commandment is the most important of all of them? Which one, Jesus? Maybe he thought he would catch him. Maybe he thought he would stump him. But then Jesus answers, the most important is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind and all your strength. And I am still fascinated to this day, every time I read this passage, every single time, that Jesus didn't stop there. He could have, you know. This is the most important command. Love God with all you are and just stop. But he didn't because, and I believe this, he knew what people would do with that. He knew that people would use their love of God as a way of hurting or ignoring people made in God's image. And so he quickly goes to the next verse in verse 31. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. You know, one survey reported recently that one-third of Americans never interact with their neighbors. One-third, never. Not even a, hey, how are you, before they walk into their house. Never. And that's a substantial change from 40 years ago. The report goes on to list various reasons why this is the case. 
and increasing distrust among Americans for each other. A big portion of our leisure time taken up with electronic entertainment, TV, video games, the internet. And even some of our recreational activities that in the past used to be community gatherings. For example, think of a public pool. Even 40 or so years ago, if you really wanted to go swim, most people had to go to a public pool and be around other people. But now, many people have their own private pool in their backyard. And they can just swim on their own. And don't hear me saying something that I'm not saying. It's not bad to have your own pool. But what I am saying is that the point of all of this is that we tend to connect less and less with the people around us because of the way things are today. Our society, our culture, the environment that we have, we connect less and less with people who aren't in our family or aren't in our friend group, our small circle of friends. You know, um, back in November of last year, we did a, a conference called Being a Welcoming Church. And uh, we invited Kevin Thumpston to um, teach that. And one of the things that Kevin did with us, for those of you who were here, you might know what's coming. You might remember this. For those of you who weren't, watch out. Here it comes. All right, so he gave us this diagram. Can we show that? Yeah, there we go. It wasn't actually that diagram. I, I made it look prettier. Um, but it was something similar to this. And what he said is, that house in the middle represents your house. Now, who are the people on your left? Who are the people on your right? Who are the people across from you and diagonal? Who are the people behind you and diagonal? Okay, if you can name their names, that's better than most Americans. Now, can you say something significant about what's going on in their lives? My bet is 40 or so years ago, most people would be able to at least give you something because we were more connected as a society. But today, today, this might embarrass us a little bit if we had to share our answers with everybody. I know when I grew up, now granted, I grew up in the sticks, but I knew everyone, everyone around me, and everyone knew me. And that's another part of what's happened, is the more we have congregated in one place, the more people in one place, the less we get to know each other. And yet, all of God's commands connect to love of neighbor. That's our next point. All of God's commands connect to love of neighbor. And if that's true, all of God's commands connect to love of neighbor, and we're not really connecting with neighbors well, then there's something amiss with our love of others, right? So in Romans 13... Verses 9 through 10, Paul says, 
For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment, hear those words, any other commandment in the scriptures. They are all summed up in this one word, in this one command. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. If you really want to obey God, serve God, then you cannot just say, I love God, and that's it. You have to love neighbors. You have to love the people who are around you in some fashion or form. And then Paul says it again in Galatians 5.14, as if we didn't get it the first time. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. If we love our neighbors, we are actually living out God's commands. And maybe some of you are tempted to be like the guy who asked Jesus, all right, Stuart, well, who is my neighbor? And Jesus had a little story for that man. A story that you may have heard before. A story about a man who was traveling by himself and then he was attacked by some robbers and he was bloodied and beaten on the side of the road. And then these two religious people walked by one right after the other, and they just ignored him and kept on walking. But there was a person who was disliked by many people at that, in that day who stopped and helped that man, right? In fact, he went above and beyond to help him, to care for him. And then Jesus asked the man that asked him the initial question, who is my neighbor? He says, which of these three men proved to be a neighbor to the one who had fallen among the robbers. And the man, I, I, I kind of feel like he was a little bit sheepish, you know, like he didn't really want to answer, but he felt like he had to. The one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus, this is the, this is the part that I love about what Jesus says here. He didn't say, okay, so everybody's your neighbor. That's usually what we take away from that parable, right? Everybody's your neighbor. And what Jesus actually said was, you go and do likewise. You care for other people. You be the neighbor. You do the neighborly thing and care for people that you come across who are in need. You care for people where they are, not where you want them to be. That's what love of neighbor looks like. Don't ask, who is your neighbor? Ask, how can I be neighborly to others? See, Jesus made a big deal about the two greatest commandments. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And as Brian Mavis says, in this life we can do only a few things really well. I think it's a good idea to make certain that one of those things is what Jesus says is most important. 
You know, I've been reading a book recently that talks about your um, priorities and making, making your priorities your, your most important things. And you make time for your priorities. You make time for what's important, right? And when I read this and I think about what that book is saying, what is important is relationship. What is important is connecting with people. Being a little bit like Mr. Rogers. And being willing to care for people that God brings across your path. And, and if we think about it, if we love our neighbors well, if we love our neighbors well, we will connect with them in various ways. If we love our neighbors well, we are going to connect with them in various ways. You know, in James 2 eight, and I, I, love, I love how James does this. He's like cuts right to the point. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. Subtext, you're probably not doing well because you're not really loving your neighbor as you love yourself. But then we hear this word from Galatians 6.10. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, especially to those who are of the household of faith. Now, see, see what Paul is doing in this passage? He's saying, yeah, there is a priority. You know, we, we take care of our own, yes. We take care of other believers. We take care of people within the church because we're family. But don't forget that as you have opportunity to do good to everyone, anyone that God brings in your path. So what are some of the various ways we can connect with neighbors? We can ask them how they're doing and really listen. Uh, we can offer to help them in some way. Uh, I know that I, I asked one of our neighbors once to uh, look, to pick up our mail when we were not around. We were on vacation and we need someone to pick up our mail. And so I asked him, will you pick up our mail? And his response to me was, I will do that anytime you need it. Right? Offering to help in some way. And then invite them like last week we talked about inviting people to do things with you invite them into your home to share a meal I invite them to go do stuff with you if you're going to a football game invite your neighbors invite people and it doesn't have to be those people right around your house it can be people in your neighborhood it can be people that you sort of know that are maybe they're co-workers maybe they're people who are uh, you know, at their, your, their children and your children go to the same school. It doesn't really matter who they are. If God brings them in your path, you can connect with them and you can love them well. But I, I want to warn you somewhat that um, if we really want to go there with our neighbors, if we really want to love our neighbors well, it could cost us. It might be a little uncomfortable. What if you find out that one of your neighbors is a drug dealer? How are you going to handle that? 
What if you find out that one of your neighbors, they're not really married, they're just living together. How are you going to handle that? What if you find out that your neighbor has significant disease and has no one to care for them? How are you going to handle that? Or what if you just find out that your next door neighbor has a different political view than yours? In, that, in our day and age, that's almost just as hard as the other ones. As uh, Virginia Cumberbatch said in a quote, we need to take into account those pushed to the edge of society, those we disagree with, and perhaps those we don't even understand. It may even mandate us to step outside our normal roles and comfort zones to love and support the people within our communities. We need to take into account those push... That's the same one. What happened to the other one? There we go. Given the political, social, and cultural divisions around us, the art of neighboring will require much more than desire, idealism, or tepid social media engagement. It will require deliberate, selfless investment to shift our paradigms and even our social practices to sincerely care for everyone. Wow. That's, that sounds hairy. That sounds difficult. That, that sounds like, uh, am I, are you sure this is something God wants us to do? Yeah, he does. But here's the good news. We can love our neighbors well because Jesus has loved us well. We can love our neighbors well because Jesus has loved us well. As, as the scriptures say, we love because he first loved us. He poured his love into our hearts and therefore we can overflow to other people. Jesus left the comforts of heaven to put on flesh and to do ministry in a sinful, broken world. Maybe that means we can get out of our off of our couches and out of our lazy boy chairs and, and do the same. Jesus was willing to die in our place to take the penalty for our own sins upon himself so that we would be free of the judgment we rightly deserved. Maybe God's not calling us to die for our neighbor, but maybe he is calling us to sacrifice something. Maybe a little less gaming. Maybe a little less Netflix. Maybe a little less of something that's keeping us from connecting with other people. Jesus gave us his life. He gave us his right standing with the Father. He gave us his presence and power through the Holy Spirit. He gave us his truth. He gave us his promise that he will share everything with us. Maybe out of the abundance of what Jesus has given us, we can love our neighbors simply by giving them 
a little of what God has given us in Christ. Maybe that's sharing our finances, sharing our food, sharing our time, sharing our encouragement, sharing our advice, sharing our understanding of what God's truth is, sharing with others. That's part of what it means to love our neighbors well. And we can do that because Jesus has loved us well. We are not an empty bank. We have the resources in Christ. We have the resources by the Holy Spirit. We can love well because we have been loved well. So, your action point, and this should be very simple and easy to understand where we're going from here, but I did make it kind of neat. I, okay, I'm, I'm a little proud of myself for this, okay? <laughs> your action point is welcome, pursue, and connect with your neighbors. Do you see a pattern there? There's three letters that begin each word. You know what that stands for? Westminster Presbyterian Church. WPC. Welcome, Pursue, Connect. Come on, guys. Give me some credit here. No, I, <laughs> I was just joking about the credit. I didn't actually come up with that. It was one of you that came up with that and told me about it. Thank you to that person. You know who you are. Yeah, we're to welcome others. We're to pursue others. We're to connect with others. Now, just a word of um, where we're going to go for this year. At, at our last congregational meeting uh, last year, we mentioned that one of our desires for this year, for 2022, is to bring on another staff member. And that staff member would be tasked to help us to grow in these areas, to welcome people, to pursue people, to connect with people. And, and I want to say that um, the goal isn't to have a staff member do all of that for us. That's the temptation, right? Let the staff member do it. We'll just pay his uh, salary. <laughs> But no, what we want is someone who will do that, who will model it, but we also want someone who's going to help us to be a better church in welcoming others, in pursuing others, in connecting with others. In other words, to be neighborly. To sum all this up, you know, we, talk, we started with uh, Mr. Rogers. We'll end with Mr. Rogers. And I don't know if this story is true or not, I've looked it up on various sites to see if it's a true story. Some people say it, it, it is true. Some people say it has parts that are true and parts that are not true. I'm just going to try to stick to what I think actually happened. And if it's not true, I will come back and tell you later if I find out for sure it was not true. But this is the story as it has been told in its most simple form. Mr. Rogers, sometime after he had, you know, become famous, had his car stolen. And a few days later, the car showed back up. And the story goes 
that somehow the people who stole his car found out that it was Mr. Rogers' car that they had stolen and they brought it back because they felt bad about doing something bad to someone who was so neighborly. Again, I don't know whether that's really true or not. There are some close friends of uh, Mr. Rogers who said that something like that did happen. But regardless of whether it's true or not, I want to encourage you to think about this. When we love our neighbors well, it will have a positive impact. When we love people well around us, think about what society would be if everybody actually loved their neighbor well, the way that Jesus calls us to. It would be a different world. I'm not saying that sin would completely go away because we're still sinners and we still fall short, but if everybody really, if that was their goal, I'm going to love my neighbor well, this would be a different place. Your community would be a different place. Your, your neighborhood would be a different place. Our church would be a different place. Don't you want to see that? Don't you want to see the Holy Spirit work in us in such a way that we have a positive impact on our community? So, by the power of the Spirit and because of Jesus, let's engage often and well with our neighbors. Let me pray for us that we'll do that well. Jesus, we need you. We need you to fulfill this calling to love our neighbors well, to engage with them, to connect with them, to care for each other and for our neighbors. Lord, will you give us what we need? Holy Spirit, empower us and fill us so that we will even leave here today and connect in some fashion or form with other people outside of our family, outside of our direct circle of friends. And that even this week, we would see the positive impact that that would bring. And we pray, Lord, that you would cause us to truly be a welcoming, a pursuing, and connecting church with others. In Jesus' name, amen.